Now on view at SCAD Fash, Manish Aurora's Life is Beautiful. Renowned for dazzling designs and a rainbow of colors, Manish Aurora has brought the talent and craftsmanship of India's rich sartorial history to the global forefront, earning international acclaim on runways across three continents. Designing in India since the 1990s, Aurora's glittering garments celebrate extravagant expressions of self through varied materials, techniques, and silhouettes in a triumphant union of Western and Eastern aesthetics adapted to today's multicultural society with a touch of humor. Find out more at scadfash.org. Support for WABE comes from 100 Miles, a nonprofit committed to preserving Georgia's 100-mile coast. Protecting this critical coastal ecosystem takes all of us. Watch the stories of the innovators and future leaders who help keep our coast flowing at OurGeorgiaCoast.org. From WABE in Atlanta, this is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. In 1965, Otis Redding wrote the lyrics to Respect and recorded this song, which became a hit. Two years later, Aretha Franklin recorded her version and that peaked at number one on Billboard's Hot 100 in 1967. Aretha's interpretation has a feminist take on the song. She made it a feminist anthem. Now there's a new take on respect for the very young. Otis Redding's daughter, Carla Redding Andrews has created a children's storybook from the lyrics. The book has wonderful pictures illustrating the importance of respect for people of all colors and occupations. We'll hear about the 2020 version of R-E-S-P-E-C-T later this hour. Also, one of Atlanta's best-loved theater people is moving to the Windy City. John Carr, the artistic director of Dad's Garage Comedy Theater, has been named the executive producer for the illustrious Second City improv and sketch comedy group in Chicago. John will join us in a moment. But first, you're listening to 90.1 WABE. As you know, we're public radio, and that means we rely on you for our funding. With your donation, we pay for all the programs you hear on WABE, and your support is critical because 84% of our funding comes from this community. Please do your part and make a donation now at wabe.org or call us at 678-553-9090. I'm Lois Reitzis. Join this hour by City Lights producer Summer Evans. Hey, Lois. It's important we hear from you right now because it's your way of saying how much you value the information and entertainment you get every day on City Lights. Because today is the first day of our year-end member drive, it's even more important to get your donation today. Your gift during this shortened drive makes our fundraising efforts more efficient, and it allows us to get back to regular programming faster. That's why we need you to make your donation right now. Please give at wabe.org or by calling 678-553-9090. We know you value what you hear on this station. Here's what one of your fellow listeners had to say about WABE. My name is Corey Fowle, and I'm in Alpharetta, Georgia. WABE is so important to me. I wanted to definitely increase my donation and possibly make up for other donations that might have gone missing because of this really horrible time. I felt great about being able to support an entity that I truly believed in. And I feel that way today. And I expect I will feel that way 
as long as I can listen to it. <laughs> 2020 has been a difficult year for so many local businesses and individuals. As we near the end of the year, WABE will continue to provide you with news and programming you can trust and rely on free of charge. That's the beauty of public radio. It's yours. If you are able to donate right now, consider tipping in a little extra in place of someone who won't be able to. It only takes a moment at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. That's 678-553-9090. You've been listening for some time now. You've heard our fundraisers and thought, yeah, I really should give back to WABE. Well, now is the time to do it. WABE is essential to your life. We provide in-depth, intelligent coverage that helps you better understand the world. And we can't do this without your financial support. Consider becoming a sustaining member now at $10 a month. It only takes a couple minutes to contribute at wabe.org or by calling 678-553-9090. When you give to WABE as a sustainer at $10 a month, we'd like to thank you with our Forever I Love Atlanta mug. This ceramic mug designed by Atlanta artist India Nabarro features hand-drawn designs of some of ATL's best-known landmarks. Please make your gift of $10 a month at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. Thank you. The best part of donating right now? You'll feel good that you did it, knowing you support WABE's excellent programming, which you enjoy. You'll feel good that you're helping to fund shows like City Lights. We want to thank everyone who's already a member. Now we need you to join them. Please donate now at wabe.org. It only takes a few minutes. Thanks very much. Second City is the Mount Everest of improv and sketch comedy, and the latest to reach that summit is a local favorite. John Carr, the artistic director of Dad's Garage, has been named the executive producer of the Second City and will soon move to its Chicago home. He has zoomed in to talk with us now. John, welcome back to City Lights. Hello, Lois. It's great to be here. Always, always a pleasure. Oh, well, congratulations on this huge career move. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I'm very, very excited about it. Well, for those unfamiliar with the Second City, which some think is the world's premier comedy club and school of improv. How would you describe it? Oh, I would, <laughs> I would describe it uh, just like that. Um, Second City is known for so many things. They're incredible shows, their training center. Um, Second City Works does amazing work with a lot of corporations. But I mean, they're most known for just their incredible cast list you know you think about the comedy greats in america and they've all come out of second city anywhere from bill murray to eugene levy Catherine o'hare tina fey uh, mike myers the list kind of goes on and on and it's just this place that incubates the inc- this incredible talent uh, that is known around the world i'm curious about your interviews did you have to audition? <laughs> uh, I guess you could call it an audition. I don't know that it's a it'll be a much more than a standard interview, but no, I I went through and had a number of interviews with the leadership and some of the amazing folks. I think one of the things that was most impressive to me um, is that there was actually an interview time that was set up with their diversity task force. And it was made up of people from around the country, from directors to performers to staff members that were across a wide range of diverse ethnicities and genders. And 
And it was kind of great because they've really done a good job of kind of including so many voices in this decision. So it wasn't just, you know, a couple of people in leadership, but it really was a decision by the uh, staff and the community put me in this position. And so that was really an honor and exciting to uh, be a part of them. Because they came under a lot of fire recently for not being very diverse. And I mean, just this past summer, didn't they say they wanted to break it all down and build it back up? Yeah, yeah, they've they've gone through a real kind of a, a shift internally um, as to what they're doing and how they're moving forward. But it's also this kind of exciting time because the organization has been around for, you know, 60 years. And it's so cool to be a part of kind of reshaping what this new second city looks like and moving into the future. I mean, it's one of those things where a lot of theaters kind of had this sort of cultural reckoning. Basically, if you're doing improv and you're at a theater at some place in America, you probably had some sort of conversation or meeting or something happened in your theater. And it was really a time for the improv community as a whole to kind of really look within itself. And Second City has done a great job of, of doing that. And then kind of saying, okay, let's see if we can put stuff in place that helps us as we move into the next years of Second City so that it becomes a place that is truly an example of equity and diversity and cultural acceptance. And I think that's and being a part of that on the ground floor is really one of the things that really made me excited about taking part in a job like this. Well, I think that they have chosen well, obviously, not the least because you have done such great work here, beginning with Dark Side of the Room, which you, you created at Dad's. Would you talk a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. Yes. Um, and it was actually me and um, a couple of folks, Chris Gray, Ricky Boynton, Kirsten King, and Andre Castell and Mark Kendall. It's our improv group. And it's uh, we have a fun and silly premise in that we take a classic movie and then we kind of improvise what all the Black people were doing during that movie. So we'll take a Star Wars or Indiana Jones and our Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and we'll improvise what all the Black people were doing during that uh, movie. And it's a funny, silly premise, but it's also kind of a great example of where comedy intersects with cultural commentary and um, being able to do something with your comedy. We were able to create shows that came out of that, our Dark Side of the Room shows, where we highlighted other younger Black improvisers and other groups where we got a chance to really highlight some of the amazing Black talent in Atlanta from Demi Alamo, the Atlanta Opera, and some of the um, some amazing musical artists and Teresa Davis, who's an amazing poet, has come out. And so it was this kind of silly improv group that out of it formed these opportunities to really elevate Black artists in Atlanta. And it's definitely one of the things that I'm the most proud of that I've been able to accomplish while I've been here in Atlanta. It's even more impressive that you were not job hunting. Second City contacted you. How did that come about? Well, actually, Anthony LeBlanc, who is the interim artistic director, he was actually my connection to him was that he directed um, Mark Kendall's Magic Negro at the Alliance Theater a few years back. And um, I got a chance to meet him and talk to him. And um, he's just a really amazing guy. And we just kind of connected in a lot of different ways. And so when Second City was kind of looking for the new person for this position, he was the person that uh, recommended me and really reached out to me and it was really a cool experience. And it was also just, you know, great because it's that sort of like human connection that really, and how, you know, uh, small and well-connected the whole improv community is that we're able to kind of like reach out to each other and help each other out and lift each other up. And so that was just really a cool experience for me. So we've talked about Black Nerd 
and Dark Side of the Room. You you won the Susie Bass Award for Black Nerd, I should add. Why do you think improv comedy has been predominantly white and male? Uh, that's a <laughs> that's a great question. I think there's probably a lot of different answers to that question, but I think uh, it's one of those things that you know when you look at the inventors of improv, whether it be like the the Keith Johnstones of the world or um, those types of folks, you know, you saw a lot of the history being with white males and just inevitably, as you create something and you build something, your natural human instinct is to bring aboard people that are like you, that look like you, that get you, that have your same sensibility. And frankly, just in the whole comedy world, there's a long time where it was just felt like, you know, guys are funny and girls are not as funny. And it was this weird sort of bias that we saw. And, and as a result of that, I think a lot of, you know, improv folks weren't looking too hard at improv because it's been a small sort of niche thing for a long time. But as it becomes got bigger and um, became more popular, um, people started looking at what was happening there. And it forced a lot of people to have some hard conversations and make some hard looks at themselves to um, move forward. And what we've seen is we're seeing so many people like myself and uh, a number of other performers around the country having to be that first Black person or the first person of color on that stage. But when we see that happening, it's this wonderful thing of when people see themselves on stage, they kind of connect in their head that if they can do it, maybe I can do it. And as we've started seeing diversity pop up on so many stages, uh, improv stages around the country, it's created this sort of groundswell as more and more diverse people are flocking to it and seeing it and wanting to be a part of it. And it's creating this wonderful ecosystem where now, rather than it feeling like it's taking away something, we're able to tell so many different and so many interesting and new stories because our stages are so much more diverse. And that's been one of the things that I've been excited to see and really makes me excited for the future, which, you know, it's, it's tough right now to be excited, but for the future, but like, that's one of the things that I'm very, very excited about. Dad's Garage Artistic Director, John Carr. We'll return to more of our conversation about his new position with the Second City after a short break. You're listening to WABE Atlanta. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. You're listening to City Lights on 90.1 WABE. Hi, I'm Lois Reitzes. Right now, we are in our year-end member drive. During this holiday season, we're doing something special. We're taking a leap of faith and asking you to support the programs you love. You rely on us to bring you unbiased news and information. We rely on you to support this programming. Now is the time for you to join the tens of thousands of WABE listeners who are members. Make your donation now, please, at wabe.org or 
Call 678-553-9090. I'm joined this hour by City Lights producer Summer Evans. Hey, Lois. In this hour, we're asking you to give because you appreciate and value WABE. One way to show how much you value the station is by becoming a sustaining member. When you set up a monthly gift, say $10 a month, it allows us to have a better sense of what money we can rely on. And you'll be satisfied knowing that you're constantly supporting WABE. Become a sustaining member today by visiting wabe.org donate or by picking up the phone and calling 678-553-9090. Hey, it's Peter Sagal from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Okay, so WABE is having its December drive. Hey, wait, you were about to switch stations? What's up with that? Right when we need you? No, come on. Don't you know that we would not exist without you? I'm talking to you, Melissa, in Atlanta. And you, Dylan, up in Alpharetta. And you meant to give in October, but you were too busy. And Kendall, Hugh, Kendall, yes. Listening in Decatur, over at Victory Sandwich Bar, put down the ping pong paddle, pick up your phone. Okay, let me be honest, just for a second. W-A-B-E has been a part of this community for 70 years, and the truth is, it is individuals just like you. And, and Megan, yes, I'm talking to you in Smyrna. It's listeners like you that make this happen. So this time, as we close out the end of the year, just do it. You can give online at wabe.org or call 678-553-9090. And thank you, Mitch. Yes, thanks so much for all the support we get in and around Atlanta, as Peter Sagal was saying. And if you've not yet given this year, don't wait, wait any longer. Please do it now. We need you because we receive 84% of all our funding from the Atlanta community. That's from people like you. Please give now at wabe.org slash donate. Thanks. Whether you're a first-time WABE member or you've given in the past, consider becoming a WABE sustaining member. That way you'll never need to worry about when your membership expires. To become a sustaining member, think about how much WABE is worth to you. We suggest a monthly donation of $10. It only takes a few minutes to make your donation, so please pick up your phone and call 678-553-9090 or go to wabe.org slash donate. When you support WABE as a sustainer with a monthly gift of $10 a month, we'll say thank you with a pair of our brand new limited edition WABE Forever I Love Atlanta socks. We're offering the same high quality custom socks you love with a fresh look designed by Atlanta artist India Nabarro. The socks feature her hand-drawn illustrations of some of ATL's best-known landmarks. They're a fun way to show your love of Atlanta while standing in support of WABE. Please make your year-end gift at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. Thank you. Sack it to us. We need your support. We know you value WABE, so please take the time to donate now. It's an exciting feeling to know you've made a difference. Please go to wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. Thanks very much. Let's get back to more of my conversation with improv artist John Carr. It was announced last week that he will leave Dad's Garage, where he has been the artistic director, to become the executive producer for The Second City in Chicago. I asked John how he first became involved with Dad's Garage. I mean, my story is like a lot. I actually moved out here from Los Angeles and I moved to Atlanta and I did not know anyone except my parents and my brother. And that was the only friends that I had. And so I saw, I went to an improv show at Dad's Garage and I just, it blew my mind how they were just creating these wonderful things on stage. And I took improv classes. And the funny thing is I was not that great. I was not very good initially, but the thing that kept me going, the thing that really connected me wasn't so much being funny of the jokes, but it was the community. It was the connection that came from the people that I 
met, the relationships that I built. I mean, I took my first improv class probably close to 20 years ago, and I still have a relationship with some of the folks that were in my level one improv class. And there's something about taking a risk in trying to be funny and putting yourself out there that really binds people and creates this bond that lasts for a while. And so really it was the community that was the first thing that really connected me to dads. And then as I improved, kept taking classes and got better, um, I was able to get on the cast and move up through the ranks. But throughout that, there were just so many people that kind of touched my life and were part of my life and that it it feels truly like a home. And there are definitely some weeks that I think I probably spent more hours at dad's garage than at my actual home. But I, I loved every moment of it. It is very familial. And when you were named artistic director in 2019, after replacing Kevin Galese, it was with great affection that that torch was passed. Little did you know that there was a deadly virus turning into a <laughs> pandemic around the corner. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it was pretty rough timing because I think I officially, I was interim for a couple of months, but I officially took the job as artistic director in February and then everything shut down in March. So I had a had a whole month of live and in-person <laughs> artistic director leadership there. So you're good at improvising? Yes. <laughs> and one of the first things you did was transition to performing online at Dad's. You're among the earliest. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and that's a testament to the amazing people at Dad's Garage, like Chelsea Steverson and our whole cast and crew and all our tech folks that, you know, we had to learn very quickly how to do online programming. And our performers were just willing to say, we've never really done anything online, but let's go for it. And let's use the principle of improv and put yourself out there and just see what happens. And it's been just such a wonderful experience of seeing new things and experiencing new things. And it's been, a, I've been so proud of what everyone has done to make that happen. Mm. We spoke just recently about Laugh Track, your collaboration with the Alliance. And Gina Rikiki, one of dad's longtime improvisers, was saying how much fun she has had improvising from different parts of her house, just, yes. <laughs> you know, making rooms look different or a part of the room look different. Can you talk a little bit about some of the partnerships that dad's had throughout these past nine months that helped you stay afloat? Absolutely. It's, it's fun because you know, with the Alliance and that, that partnership was is so much fun and we're having a great time doing that. But it's been cool, the little partnerships where we've had, we'll have, you know, different shows that are running throughout our season. And we look for opportunities to use those shows to really connect with other folks. So for example, We've had SAC in Florida, which is an improv theater in Florida, and they've been, you know, guested on some of our shows. We've had folks from Rapid Fire Theater in, in Canada, and they've come on and participated in shows. And you think about, like, we would never have the money to fly out performers from Rapid Fire in order just to be in one of our shows. But because this pandemic has kind of forced us all to like come together. We've been able to do that. It's been fun seeing like um, Lucky made himself a little talk show that he was doing and how many of the Archer cast um, came out and just had, you know, they sat on Zoom and had breakfast and chatted together. And it's been really cool seeing so many folks from our past. We've done our 25th anniversary. We brought in oh, so many, I think we had like 30 performers from dad's garage's past all on one zoom call just talking about the old days and some of the stories and so it's given us a chance to really connect not just with other organizations but our friends and really connect with some of our history and past as well yeah i think that collaboration has been the silver lining if there is one in the 
pandemic months. I hope they won't be years. <laughs> John, what advice would you give to young BIPOC up-and-coming comedians or improv artists? <laughs> I don't know that I have any deep insight other than to just say that it's important to take your own careers into your own hands. It's important to find those spaces to perform. And if you can't find those spaces to perform, make those spaces to perform. I think one of the great things about improv is that you can really do it anywhere. And as long as you're willing to take the risk and take the chance and to do something somewhere, you can create an opportunity for yourself to grow, to be seen, to be connected to this amazing world and community. And the more that we can do that and then look for opportunities to help others. And I think that's really the exciting part for me is that I'm in this phase of my career where, you know, the idea of being, you know, the star of a TV show isn't really what my focus is right now. I think the thing that truly gives me joy and truly makes me happy is being able to see young performers, particularly um, BIPOC performers, excel and take the next steps and grow artistically. That's the thing that excites me and thrills me and wants is the thing that I want to see happen in the next upcoming years. And so whatever format, whatever way that I can do that, that's really what I want to do in this new uh, chapter of my life. And it is going to be a fascinating one, not to mention a busy one. I understand you will be overseeing the second city in Toronto and Los Angeles. That's correct. Yeah. So we're, we're, we, they have theaters in uh, Toronto and Hollywood. And so I'll be overseeing that. And it's really also a great opportunity for those theaters to, to just be kind of connected into this one second city world that we can really communicate and collaborate and uh, make some really good things happen. Again, Mazel Tov. Congratulations, and I look forward to seeing you at the Second City in Chicago when I return home to visit family and eating Chicago pizza together. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see you. Thank you so much, Lois. Improv artist, writer, and comedian John Carr. He is the artistic director for Dad's Garage Theater here in Atlanta until December 15th. Then he becomes the new executive producer for the second city in Chicago. You are listening to 90.1 WABE. Welcome to our year-end member drive, a chance for you to support the programs you love. Programs like City Lights. You rely on WABE to bring you unbiased news and information, along with inspiring arts and culture programming. We rely on you. In fact, 84% of our funding comes from the Atlanta community. Now it's time for you to join the tens of thousands of WABE listeners who are members. Make your donation now, please, at wabe.org or call 678-553-9090. I'm Lois Reitzes here with you and City Lights producer Summer Evans. Facts, knowledge, understanding, inspiration, community. This is what you get every day on WABE, when you wake up with Morning Edition, or when Lois Reitzes and Rose Scott fill you in on everything you need to know around Atlanta, or when Terry Gross guides you through an extended interview on Fresh Air, or when you look back at the implications of the day with All Things Considered. This is what you get, what you make possible when you support WABE. This station is essential to the community, so please do your part now to keep WABE going. Make your first ever donation at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. Thank you. We can't do it without you. My name is Victoria Muhammad, and I live in Stockbridge, Georgia. Why did I donate in 2020? Because we have to continue to support 
what we listen to every day. This tough time actually makes it more important that we continue to support so we can continue to get our information that we need every day. There has been a lot of information to gather in 2020, and that's why we need your help. As I mentioned earlier, 84% of our funding comes from the community that we serve. Please consider showing your support by donating for the first time. WABE.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. Thank you. You're a partner with WABE. Every day we do the best job we can to bring you exceptional radio programs like City Lights. We're committed to you and we also rely on you. Please join the public radio partnership and make a donation today. Call 678-553-9090 or contribute online at wabe.org slash donate. And if you've already given, thank you. When you support WABE with a monthly gift of $10 a month, we'll say thank you with a one-year subscription to the New York Times Cooking. It's a digital cookbook for new subscribers and is available on all platforms. From hamburgers to cassoulet, the Times food journalists and home cooks provide easy-to-follow cooking guides, recipes, videos, and tips. The New York Times Cooking includes nearly 19,000 recipes. It's yours when you sign up as a sustaining member at $10 a month. You can give at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. Thank you. We need to hear from you right now because WABE is counting on your support. Please don't wait. You're thinking about donating now, so do it now. It only takes a few minutes to give. Just go to wabe.org or call 678 578- Five five three ninety ninety. Thanks very much. Have you heard an interview on City Lights that you would like to share with a friend or listen to again? WABE.org/slash/citylights is the place to find today's interview, as well as segments from previous shows. We invite you to search, stream, and share your favorite show at WABE.org/slash/citylights. And thanks for listening. Respect, a new book for young children, is based on one of the greatest songs of the 20th century. Otis Redding's song lyrics are brought to the page with wonderful illustrations by Rachel Moss. Otis and Zelma Redding's daughter, Carla Redding Andrews, is the VP and Executive Director of the Otis Redding Foundation. She's with us now via Zoom. Carla, welcome to City Lights. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here with you today. As am I. How did this picture book come about? Well, it was quite interesting. Um, I think what happened was is a lot of organizations had been paying attention to what we at the Otis Redding Foundation had been doing as it relates to literacy and music and arts education. And then going back to um, how adamant my parents were about education and reading. So somehow we teamed up with Akashi Books to present this beautifully illustrated song lyric book that, that talks about what is so, so needed in the world today and, and will be always be needed in the world today. Oh, yes. In fact, I said your dad wrote one of the greatest songs of the 20th century, but it's really a song for our time and has never diminished in its impact or appeal. Now, your dad wrote the lyrics in 1965, and his song recording became a hit. Two years later, Aretha Franklin recorded her version, 
And that peaked at number one on Billboard's Hot 100 list in 1967. Aretha's interpretation has a feminist take on this song. It's very much a feminist anthem. How does this book present a children's story from your father's lyrics? Well, you know, what we really did with with the book and, and when I was working with the book publisher and we were trying to determine, should we, should we intertwine the lyrics? Should we just use Otis Redding's lyrics or should we use Aretha's lyrics? And really, we felt like Aretha's lyrics and, and her whole chain of the song kind of really relate over to, to kids and young girls today while still being able to filter over into a young male perspective. You know, it, it kind of takes on both sides of it actually. And, and it talks about respect for yourself as a young woman or a young man, and also respect for those, the people that you should have around you. What you want, honey, you got it. And what you need, baby, you got it. All I'm asking for a little when I the gamut on, on both the, the, the female and the male perspective, in my opinion. Very much so. And I have been in radio for over 40 years. I've never felt my medium is limited, but I wish people could see these illustrations as we're talking, Carla, because they are as exuberant as the song lyrics and I was wondering if you would talk about some of the images that are portrayed in the storybook and and the messages, the lessons they convey. Absolutely. You know, what we really wanted to to come across in this is, is not only for black and brown children, but for children around the world to understand that the word respect will get you to any path that you want to take, any positive path that you want to take, whether it's a teacher or whether you want to fly a plane or whether you want to serve your country. All of those things are about respect. And it's so beautifully depicted in the illustrations by Rachel Moss. And it's so colorful and it, it really just crosses the gamut in terms of diversity with, with the kids and, and the black and the brown and, and the, the white, it's just a cross-pollination of cultures. And, and it understands that respect is, is due to everyone and to be given by everyone. Indeed. And we have so many professions that are portrayed. I'm on a page where I see three women scientists. Well, actually, there are four. Two of them are little girls, and the little puppy dog is also reading the science book. We have a, we have a visual painter. We have ballet dancers, and <laughs> we have doctors. We have lawyers. We have judges. You yes, know, we have all just a whole gamut of of professions that we don't want to limit any imagination to what you can be with, with when you get respect and give respect. There's no limit to the imagination. And so we, you know, we just wanted to make sure that kids knew, listen, Otis Redding, Aretha Franklin, these people who worked so hard 
during their era knew that this one word would make all of the difference uh, in their lives. And, and both of them certainly continue to, to earn respect today by, by what they left, their legacy. And now to be able to put it over onto the pages of a picture book is just amazing. And it, it really takes the song to a whole new level because there are a lot of kids, I'm sure, who have, who have heard their parents singing both versions of the song, but now they get to, to put their creative spin on it and, and read it from, for themselves on, on, in this greatly illustrated book. And taking it into the year 2020, when we get to the pages that say, sack it to me, sack it to me, sack it to me, sack it to me, all four members of the family portrayed in the book, the mother, the dad, the little girl, and the little boy, are costumed as superheroes with capes. Absolutely. Sock it to me, sock whatever you want to me, but I can still overcome and respect. A little respect is all I need to make that, to make my superpowers work for me. Carla, one of the most powerful lines in the song Respect is find out what it means to me. And after the story with illustrations concludes, the last two pages of the volume contain questions for the young reader or the young child being read to. Would you please tell us about that concluding section? Absolutely. I think, you know, the illustrators wanted to make sure that this was more than just a book of illustrations and, and words. It was really, a, a, it's a tool to interact with, with kids about what respect means. Can you respect someone even if you're mad at him or her? You know, things that, that certainly fit right into today's culture into what's going on in the world with, with so much risk of planting negative seeds in your mind. But the learning tool in the back opens up the imagination for a, a, a child to understand, well, all I got to do is give a little bit of respect for myself and I, I will feel a whole lot better. And once I respect someone else, that's even really going to make me feel a whole lot better. So to be able to take these 10 questions uh, that have been created as an interactive learning tool, I think will really spark the imagination even more in kids on how important that the, the word respect means and what the, the lyrics in this song means. Mm. Carla Redding Andrews, I am not trying to flatter you when I say that I feel like this book is one of the best things to come out in 2020. Oh, <laughs> it is just pure joy and delivers a message so profound and it's so deeply needed now. I congratulate you and the illustrator Rachel Moss and this has just been such a delight. I am one who is in awe of your father's legacy, and thank you for continuing it through the foundation. Oh, thank you so much. You know, it, it was so important. This foundation was established on, on a whole dream or a premise that my father put in place in 1966 before his untimely death. You know, he was adamant about the importance of education, the, the importance of continuing education, the importance of literacy, the importance of music and arts education. And that's what we do. So, you know, to be able to partner with Akashi and with, with the illustrator, Rachel Moss, and to bring his, his lyrics, his is one of his most famous songs to a young mind is, is certainly benefiting of what the mission of the foundation is. And, you know, we've got another one that's going to come um, in January. It will be illustrated to sitting on the dock of the bay. Oh. And it's really beautifully illustrated. We've already seen that one. It's a, about a, a, a cute little kitty cat traveling around the world, sitting on the dock and, and finding friends and trying to do what 
10 people tell him to do. Carla Redding Andrews is the daughter of the late Otis Redding and the VP Executive Director for the Otis Redding Foundation. Their new children's book, Respect, is available now. It's wonderful. More information will be on our website, wabe.org slash citylights. City Lights is our daily celebration of Atlanta arts and culture. Tomorrow morning at 11, the award-winning playwright Alfred Urey will be our guest. We'll also hear from Bob Barr and Yoel Levy about their upcoming discussions on The Art of the Conductor. Our producers are Summer Evans and Ryan McFadden. Kevin Rinker is our engineer, and I'm Lois Reitzes. I would love it if you'd follow me on Twitter, at L-O-I-S-R-E-I-T-Z-E-S. You can also follow us on Facebook at W-A-B-E City Lights. Thanks for listening to member-supported WABE, Atlanta's choice for NPR. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Have you donated to WABE yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wabe.org slash donate and become a member right now. And thank you.